0: Daniel chapter 1, verse number 1. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand Uh, with part of the vessels of the house of God which Nebuchadnezzar's army carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Now skip down to verse 6. Now among these were the children of Judah Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you direct our thoughts this morning and our words. May the Savior be glorified in both. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to take this opportunity to add another lesson to our current Sunday School theme. Last week I introduced the idea that we can learn about New Testament soul winning, personal evangelism, by looking at some of the examples that we find in the Old Testament. We have the ancestors of the evangelists in the Old Testament scriptures. So last week in Sunday School we considered Isaiah and Joshua the son of Nun. Now I am not pretending that Isaiah led Hezekiah to the Lord, nor that Joshua brought Rahab to the cross of Christ. But we can see characteristics in those two men and in others which ought to be found in every personal evangelist no matter what period of time in which they live. And I'm not talking about the professional evangelist who gets money to go from church to church preaching the gospel. I'm talking about every one of the children of God who should be able to share what they know of Christ with others to tell their story with others. Today, I'd like to consider some of the things about Daniel which ought to be found in us. But at the same time, I want this to be an evangelical message. With this in mind, before we get to Daniel, let's start with Nebuchadnezzar. How would you like to be king for a day? Or maybe for another five minutes or so. I'd like you to put yourselves into the very comfortable shoes of the king of Babylon. Pretty nice. Babylon was the fabulous capital of the Chaldean Empire. And you, for the next few minutes, are its chief. You're the king. You're Nebuchadnezzar. By your orders and by your armies, most of the Middle East and even east of Babylon, these countries have been brought under your power your dominion, and now wealth is pouring into your capital, making Babylon the most spectacular city in all the world. The great Euphrates River runs under the north wall of your city, then down through the middle of it, and then pours out under the south wall to make its journey onto the ocean. Alongside that river are parks and boulevards. There are bridges going across. It's pretty spectacular. It's a nice place to be. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon are world-renowned. There are zoos in Babylon, just as Solomon had a zoo. There are galleries where fabulous works of art are being kept. It's a fabulous place. Babylon, it may be the busiest and most important city in the entire world, including the Far East. And you are living at the top of that world. The Chaldean Empire has been built by your power, fulfilling the dreams that you had when you were a small child. You are a king of a great many nations. You're a king of Babylon, of course. You're king of your whole life, if you like. You dictate every aspect of your day, from when you get out of bed to what flowers there are in your room. You choose your companions, but of course, everybody wants to be your friend, so you can be picky about those who get close to you. Maybe you've been fortunate. Maybe there has never or hardly ever been a sick day in your life. You have grown up big and strong. Even though right now you might be a little over the top, a little over indulgent. No one tells you what to do. Despite the fact that you have a great many counselors who would be delighted to tell you what to do, but you do whatever you choose. You come and go as you please. You eat whatever you like. Your entertainment is whatever you choose it to be. And as a result, your life is filled with pleasure and sin. Whatever you choose to do. You have no thoughts of God. You have really no consideration of other people except on or as how they might benefit you in some fashion or other. You believe that you have earned everything you have. Through your smarts, through your strength, through your daring, through your hard work, you are proud of what you have accomplished. But all things, even good things, must come to an end. Daniel chapter 4, verse number 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Kingdoms fall. Wealth evaporates, friends forsake, kings die, even British queens die. And so will you. You are mortal, which means you are currently in the process of dying. doesn't matter how old you are, that's the way it is. You have an appointment with the judgment of God. Even if you are king for a day or king for life, you have an appointment with God. One night, Nebuchadnezzar received a message from heaven. The great king of Babylon heard the voice of God. In this case, it didn't come out of the pages of the Bible. It was, nevertheless, just as true as the Bible. God spoke to this man. His ears and his heart heard the words of the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar will later testify that the speaker was the true king, the king of heaven. Whether he fully understood, it was Jehovah, the creator and the judge of all his creation. It was the voice of Jehovah who is also the Savior. Exactly the one who Nebuchadnezzar needed. Although at this point in time, he didn't realize that. Remember, you're wearing his shoes. Throughout the early days of our lives, we have no recognition of our need of a Savior. And we live the way we choose to live as far as we can get away with it, shall we say. You may think that you're at the top of the world, the top of your game, so to speak. You are both the coach and the quarterback of your life. You believe you're on your way to the Super Bowl and eventually to the Football Hall of Fame. But this is only game number one. And there's a God over all things who may end your season before this next play is completed. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Thankfully, in many people's lives, in your life, there's someone like Daniel. Daniel was not only an Israelite. Uh, A citizen of a so-called Christian country, Israel. He was, in fact, a true child of God. Daniel actually knew the Lord. He was a man of prayer. Because he knew that only in Jehovah are the really important blessings of this life. And, of course, for eternity. He was a man of prayer. Because he knew that he was dependent upon the Lord. He engaged his friends to trust in God. He was an encourager. Perhaps Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were able to face the burning, fiery furnace because of the example and the encouragement that they had received from their friend Daniel. I don't know what the relationship was there. In chapter 9, halfway through the book, more than halfway through the book, we're permitted to hear Daniel in his devotions. In verse number 9 we read, I set my face unto the Lord God, and I prayed unto Jehovah, my God, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy, to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto Thee. To Thee, our God, to the Lord God, belongs mercies and forgiveness. This man knew the Lord. This man knew the Lord personally and theologically. Verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake, O my God. Daniel didn't beg the Lord for things based on Daniel's efforts. Lord, I deserve this. Please take care of me. I'm suffering here so far from home. Ah, uh, my manhood has been stripped from me. I'm forced to do these things for these foreigners. Lord, you 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 need to bless me because I deserve it. That's not the way he prayed. For thy sake, Lord, be merciful. And it wasn't to me. He was praying for Israel. Lord, forgive for thine own sake. He knew that Jehovah is sovereign. He knew that God was making decrees that made the decrees of Nebuchadnezzar look like uh, uh, water. So Daniel approached the Lord with that in mind. God is God. By chapter 9, Daniel was a seasoned veteran in uh, the spiritual wars. But when we first meet him, Daniel is a young man. Chapter 1 describes him as one of Israel's children. But we find that he will not let his youth hold him back or dictate what he might do for the service of God. Some, some might say it began with a very small thing, food. But that very small thing opened up some massive doors that led to a great many things later on. Our witness for the Lord isn't confined to those few moments when we get to sit down face to face with some sinner like ourselves and tell them how they might know the forgiveness of sin. Our testimony involves every aspect of our lives. That which is seen only by God, and that which is seen by others around us. Our testimony is not just our words. Your sermon in shoes. Daniel and his three friends refused to eat the food which God had earlier forbidden to the children of Israel. It was just as simple as that. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. That definitely got his overseer's attention because if these young men suffer, then I am going to suffer at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Got his attention, but at the same time, it earned his respect, and he treated these young men accordingly. Daniel was a servant of God who knew what it was to be in trouble he suffered much he was willing to give up himself to be an influence or a testimony to those who might see him the first was this uh, ashpinaz whatever his name was uh, his overseer and The man listened. Eventually, he was given the opportunity to move up, shall we say. And we can see the handiwork of God. We see God working providentially to bring Daniel to this point. The king of Babylon was spoken to by God. The Lord came to Nebuchadnezzar, in chapter 2, and said, Now this is the condition of the world. This world is falling apart. Nebuchadnezzar was at the pinnacle of the world at that point. A vision was given to this man, which he couldn't understand, which didn't make any sense to him. He was given a vision of a colossal statue, an image and Nebuchadnezzar was the head of this big image. And then, as Nebuchadnezzar's eyes came down the torso of this statue, it was becoming cheaper and a poorer quality until his eyes fell on the feet of the statue, and he recognized that the feet were made of iron and dirt. Not very strong. It made no sense to him. He heard the voice of God, just as many of our neighbors have heard the voice of God. It made no sense. What does this mean? What shall I do? The Lord brought the soul winner, brought the evangelist into the palace at the risk of his own neck. Brought Daniel in to listen to Nebuchadnezzar's account of what he had read. Understandest thou what thou readest or heard? Oh no, how can I? Except some man should guide me. Daniel said, Let me tell you. And he explained that this world is falling apart and that at some point it's going to be destroyed. Part of the message that Nebuchadnezzar heard was, or saw I should say, was a rock cut out of a mountain and flung at that colossal statue, crushing it and turning it into fluff, if you like, which the wind blew away. What does this mean? Daniel said, the kingdoms of this earth are going to be destroyed. But there is a God in heaven who will have his will done in this earth. He will judge, destroy all the workings of man, judge the men of this creation, and uh, establish his own kingdom permanently. Dan- or, Nebuchadnezzar was delighted it all made sense I think this is right and uh, he he patted Daniel on the back and said oh what a good revelation this is see if I can see the scripture here the king answered in chapter 2 at the end, verse 47. The king answered unto Daniel, Of oh, a truth it is, your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. And the king made Daniel a great man, gave him many gifts, made him ruler over the province of Babylon. But Daniel preferred just to sit in the gate of the king's palace. Daniel knows that Nebuchadnezzar is not a believer at this point. Despite the relatively good words of verses 46 and 47, Nebuchadnezzar is a polygamist. And what he says in this statement is, hey, I think we should elevate the God of Israel, Daniel's God, into a high place within the pantheon of my gods. Maybe we'll make him the number one God among all these others. Well, that's foolishness. How can there be more than one God? Sovereignty means absolute authority. But we're all fools. We are all fools until the Lord teaches us. Now, there is Daniel. He's been... uh, faithful in explaining what the dream held and been patted on the back and now he's sitting in the gate of the palace he's patient he's awaiting he's waiting to take advantage of his opportunities Nebuchadnezzar did not become a christian with the first presentation of god's truth But at least he began to look with a bit more respect toward Daniel's God and toward Daniel, the soul winner. Our evangelist was faithful to his commission throughout his life. A few years later, he was in the employ of another king. As do all people, Nebuchadnezzar had passed away and he was replaced. Belshazzar, his successor, was as ungodly and secular and sinful as the great power that he held permitted him to be. He's a pretty wicked man. One night, he hosted a huge feast for all his minions and his wives and his many girlfriends, He ordered that the food and the alcohol of the evening be served in those golden vessels of which we read in chapter 1 that were brought from the temple of God in Jerusalem. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and the gods of silver, the gods of brass and iron and wood and stone. Then in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand And wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And then the king's countenance was changed. His thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his loins were loosed. Isn't that vivid language? The joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against the other when he saw this message from God. He didn't know what it was. Here's another king who is confronted with the word of God. He couldn't understand a word of it. It was in a language that he did not read. There wasn't anyone in the room who could understand it. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. The things of the Spirit of God can only be discerned by the ministry of the Spirit of God. As Philip said to the Ethiopian, Understandest what thou readest? And again, Belshazzar said, How can I except some man should guide me? What the king read was, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Ufarsin. Okay. The handwriting was on the wall. Once again, God brought his evangelist in to interpret the word. Do you understand this? Let me explain. Daniel told the king that God had already judged Belshazzar and found him to be a wicked man. And therefore, his kingdom would be given to another, implying, you are going to die. That's the only way kingdoms were given away in those days. Belshazzar, again, slapped Daniel on the back, thanking him for his explanation, but apparently, that was it. Interesting. Okay. And he went on. All the soul winner can do is try to lead that soul up to the Lord. We have no guarantee of success. God has not commissioned any of his soul winners to actually save souls. All we can do is faithfully share the message of God with people who need to hear. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom. In both cases, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, Daniel was praised by each king and both gave him great rewards for the information Daniel gave to them. That's not what happens very often, but in these cases it did. Oh, thank you for the message. Those people were polytheists. Belshazzar commanded that his servants honor Daniel with scarlet clothing and a gold chain. The man of God may have uh, protested, but the king always gets his will done. In the case of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was successful in avoiding the glory, but in this case, he's a, a rather old man now. and He says, all right, throw that gold chain around my neck, it's okay. By the way, Daniel also faithfully served the Lord before a third king, the man who replaced Belshazzar. And that king, Darius, also heard the witness of Daniel. He even saw the man of God being tossed into the den of lions, hungry, voracious. Is that the same thing? Uh, He should have died. But the Lord stopped the mouths of the lions, and Darius was impressed. Impressed with the Lord. That third king was so impressed by the character and the message of the man of God, it appears, I think, it appears that Darius was converted. I can't be absolutely sure. But I think he began trusting and worshiping Daniel's God. We read again. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every kingdom of my, every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He doesn't know his name. For he is the living God, steadfast forever. And this king, this God's kingdom, shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall be even unto the end. This king, this God, delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. And then even in a fourth king... Cyrus, the Persian, the fourth powerful king to hear the testimony of this man of God. Now let's return to Nebuchadnezzar. For the last couple of months during our announcements, we've been sharing a testimony of one fashion or another, hearing about people's salvation story. Despite the similarities... I recognized myself to be a sinner, and I put my faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Despite the similarities, the details which brought each of these people to Christ differed. And also, the language which those people used to describe their salvation came out quite different, differently. Nebuchadnezzar was no different I can't be absolutely sure that the great king of Babylon is now in God's heaven. I think so. I I hope so. I can't be certain Queen Elizabeth is in heaven. But I think so and I hope so. I've read testimonies that sounded almost exactly like that of the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. I hope so. Nebuchadnezzar was a man blessed by seeing the life and hearing the testimony of one of God's servants. After Daniel explained God's message about the colossal image, Nebuchadnezzar had said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of God's, a Lord of kings, a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret." I don't believe, as I've already suggested, I don't believe that this was a confession of saving faith in Jehovah. Nebuchadnezzar had been, and still was at that time, a polytheist, a worshiper of many gods. I think what he said was only a declaration to have Daniel's God in and among all the others that he had. And again, that thought is foolish but until we're born again we are all fools let's say that at that point Nebuchadnezzar was not a true child of God I think we can be pretty sure about that but the word of God had been presented to him the word of God had been heard and was there in the back of his mind as was my case for a long time maybe yours as well before your salvation The word of God had been presented to him, and it was still there. And then after a period of time, perhaps with Nebuchadnezzar basically forgetting what had been said, the true sovereign God brought a personal disaster into Nebuchadnezzar's life. He literally lost his mind. The same hour that Daniel told him what God was going to do was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass like an ox as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Daniel had even told him This was coming, and how long his mania would last. Seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You are going to be insane until seven times pass, and then you will know Jehovah, he is God. Jehovah, he is God. And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation." And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing before him. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and lords sought unto me And I was established in my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. We can use Nebuchadnezzar as an illustration of millions of people today. Hundreds of thousands throughout the United States. Some of them have been raised in gospel preaching churches. Many of them have not. Then they were given two or three free joints of marijuana. And they became addicted, unable to see what their addiction was doing and where it was going. And eventually they found themselves hooked on hard drugs and their lives in ruins. Or maybe it wasn't marijuana. Maybe it was just one or two beers a week. My dad gave those to me when I was ten. It grows. That one or two beers became a habit. Destroying a life. Addiction to alcohol. Perhaps the insanity was immorality. Having begun with pornography. Or perhaps it was an addiction to sensitivity numbing blood and gore in video games. They found that their lives were spiraling quicker and quicker into... What is commonly called an earthly hell. But then, by God's grace, and inexplicably otherwise, they were lifted out of that gutter. And the gospel message that they heard in their youth was, as Abel Morgan said, in capital letters. It was so real, so vivid. The words which God's faithful evangelist had shared with them years before was empowered by divine grace. They were born again. They were born from above. They became new creatures. They could sing, He lifted me. From sinking sand, He lifted me. With tender hand, He lifted me. From chains of night to planes of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. Nebuchadnezzar could sing that. As much as I'd like to focus on Daniel this morning, I need you to focus on Nebuchadnezzar. You've heard Daniel's testimony and his explanation of the predicament that you and the world are in. We're falling apart. What will it take to bring you on your knees before God? Belshazzar heard an explanation of the truth through the lips of Daniel and he died that very night. No response, other than no response. Because he didn't repent and respond when he first heard the truth, he died without the truth. Belshazzar is in hell today. And Nebuchadnezzar was forced to lose his mind before he woke up to the truth of the Word of God. What will it take for you? Some terrible addiction, (coughs) the loss of a loved one, broken health. What will it take? I beg you to repent before God and to acknowledge that you are an unworthy sinner. Don't force the Lord to rob you of your health. He's sovereign. He's king. He can do that. I plead with you to put your faith for eternity, for forgiveness, for for salvation in the Lord. And do it today. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. Won't you this morning repent before God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Please stand.